We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. And Johnny, the streak is over. The Rams finally win a game in what feels like it's been months, defeating what I like to say is a very talented, very underrated, uh, a little under the radar, worst record in the NFL Cardinals team. You, know, ha- ha- <laughs> you happy the streak's over? I'm happy I'm not getting any more text messages from Raider fans about how bad the Rams suck. <laughs> hey, big win for the Raiders this week. And look, now they have what they have to look forward to next season is not the number one overall pick and no stadium to play in. So what a time to be a Raider fan and nine more years of John Gruden. So let's give it up for them, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe they can get used to playing in London. <laughs> God, could you imagine? You know, I don't know why they don't just like, play at UNLV uh, and I mean I haven't really looked into the situation a ton but 
wouldn't wouldn't that make sense? Like what we're doing, go play in your college stadium. Yeah, it would make the most sense. I don't I don't really understand it myself, but uh, that's that's a topic for the Raiders. So uh, no one wants to hear about the Raiders. So Steve, what do we got going on this week? <laughs> we got a lot going on, man. We got two games to discuss, and we won't probably won't go too in depth on them, but. We're also going to hit on a little MVP discussion, a little who's who in the playoff race and who, who we're going to see out there. And, yeah, then we'll talk about our 49ers game and talk about the much maligned Nadamagan Sue eye-raking controversy that turned out to be nothing. But before we get to any of that stuff, guys, you know where you can find us, anywhere your podcast can be found, whether that's you know Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, you know them. And, of course, you can find our show on iebeatradio.com and Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And, guys, don't forget to check out our other shows, Rams Talk Radio with Derek and Norm. Uh, Derek recorded an episode this week, a little Christmas Day edition previewing the 49ers game. And, of course, Rampage Radio usually comes out uh, near the end of the week, which is when we're coming out this week. Uh, you know, it was Christmas. We could not get time together, so here we are. But let's hit on this game briefly because you know it's thursday this game was a while ago but we had to talk about it a little bit because we haven't talked about a rams win in a while uh, i got a new job about three weeks ago i started the monday before the bears game so if the rams lost this game i might have had to quit my job because i would have realized that it was you know the rams would be zero and three since i started and i care more about the rams than my professional career so i'm happy i don't have to quit anymore but, Johnny, you, you were on the post-game show, but you had a couple days to digest this. But how, how did this game feel? You know, Did it feel good to get a win, or would it, is it just because we played the Cardinals, it doesn't really matter? Uh, a little of both. I mean, it, it was kind of one of those things where you, you, you needed to get that, kind of go over that hurdle. And that, that's what the Rams were experiencing, really. They, they, were, they couldn't get over this hump of losses. And, you know, just to kind of get the confidence back up, yes, it was the Cardinals and, you know, there's a good reason why the Rams pretty much dominated the whole game, but it's still a win. You know, it, it still gives the boys the confidence that they need. And I, I think it was good overall in that aspect, but there is still much to work on. And while I will say I did see quite a bit of improvements, especially in certain areas, there's still a lot of things that need to be done in order for the Rams to make some serious contention noise in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a, it's a good starting point, but, you know, it's not the, you know, it's hard to really say the Rams are back or the Rams you know, were, were the team we were three weeks ago because we played the Cardinals, who are terrible. Uh, you know, no no disrespect to any Cardinals fans that are listening to this for whatever reason, but you, this is not your year, and it still might be our year, but this is not the game to decide it. I will say, it felt good, especially defensively. You know, we since the bye week, I think our defense kind of has been back. I think as much as Akeem Talib got destroyed in some of that Eagles game, uh, you know, I think he had a nice little bounce back later in the game. His presence has been felt. This defense has basically been playing very well for maybe three and a half of the last four games the Eagles game they were a little shaky but you know they played great against the Bears I I don't think you can blame them at all for that loss they played good against the Lions and this game they played no I think this might have been their best one yet 
Gave up nine points. Uh, the six of them were on a Larry Fitzgerald passing touchdown in which David Johnson ended up in single coverage with Samson Ebukam, who should never be on David Johnson on single coverage. And it looked like on that play, LaMarcus Joyner kind of didn't realize what was happening as the safety over the top. And I mean, that's a trick play. This happens. Uh, it, you can't run that play every time for a reason. That's why it's a trick play. So if that's the only touchdown we give up in this game, that's fine with me. That was at 940 in the second quarter. The Cardinals didn't score after that. The Rams controlled every asset of every facet of the game since that. I mean, really since the end of the first quarter, they were in, fully in control of this game. And against a team that they should be every time, no matter how much they're slumping, that felt good. Jared Goff, you know, this, this wasn't his best game of the season, but it certainly wasn't his worst. 19 for 24, uh, 216 yards and touchdown. Did everything he needed to do. You know, he didn't make bad throws like he'd been making in recent weeks. You know, he wasn't slinging it like he'd been early in the season, but he made some really impressive throws in this game. And the offensive line played better. Again, not perfect, but I I was satisfied both on offense and defense, very much so. Again, it's the Cardinals, so we can't put too much stock into this. But there's no reason to really be complaining after this game. And no, (laughs) the icing on the cake was C.J. Anderson with 167 yards and a touchdown. I know a lot of people thought it was going to be John Kelly getting the bulk of the work. I thought it would be split a little bit more. I thought Anderson would get the rushing touchdown. But, Johnny, I don't think anyone – in the right mind could have ever expected C.J. Anderson to come out of this week as like the number one fantasy running back with 167 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I think that's more rushing yards than he had in Carolina. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to see C.J. Anderson have that kind of explosive game. I mean, I, I thought that I was looking at the C.J. Anderson while he was in Denver. This guy was playing clearly with the chip on his shoulder. And and what I liked was he was very aggressive when it came to his running. You know, uh, e- even when he was, uh, you know, hit, continuously driving his feet, that's exactly the kind of smash mouth football that you don't see a whole lot of anymore. I mean, yeah, Todd Gurley's kind of hard to take down from time to time. But C.J. Anderson was full on beasting it out there, man. He, he was running over guys. He kept driving his feet, getting that extra yardage. I mean, yeah, he had 167 yards, but he fought for every single yard there. And I, I have to I have to give the guy props because I will say I did think that C.J. Anderson was a nice pickup. And I did expect him to kind of get that, you know, sort of surprise on everyone. But... I was not expecting 167 yards. Uh, you know, if you were, uh, can you predict the lotto numbers for me? Because, <laughs> man, I, I I don't think anyone was really expecting that. But I, I will say that C.J. Anderson may have found his uh, number two spot uh, on a team behind Todd Gurley. have no idea if the Rams will be able to bring him back next year, but for now – this guy is locked in as the number two guy uh, moving forward, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. And obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but this guy ran for 1,000 yards last season. He He's never ran for under 
four yards of carry in his entire career. I mean, even in Carolina for the, the brief stint he had there. And I think him losing his job in Carolina was more on McCaffrey being good and less on him being bad. And ultimately, you know, maybe he wanted to be released and have a chance to go play play for a contender or a team that's going to need a running back at some point. Now, and I think Derek mentioned this on your guys' show on Sunday night. I mean, he's young. He's only 27. He'll be 28 at the start of the next year. The odds of him being here next year are slim. He's probably going to go somewhere that might need a running back, or maybe he goes the Adrian Peterson route and kind of waits it out until somebody needs a starting running back. So he, he won't be here next year, but he's going to have a role down the stretch. There's no doubt about it. When Kyle Gurley is getting spelled, it's going to be C.J. Anderson coming in. It ain't going to be Justin Davis, and it ain't going to be John Kelly. I think that's clear, and I think clearly it should be. And again, we have to, I feel like, put this in every conversation about this game. The Cardinals have one of the worst run defenses in the league. So take it for what it is, but a guy who was on his couch for a month comes out and does this, you have to be impressed by it. And anyone who, who saying it's not that impressive, you know, circumstances, blah, 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 you're just being a party pooper. This was great. <laughs> this was fantastic. Just um, to add a little more yeah, to ahead. that, uh, one of the things that I don't think has been really mentioned a whole lot of is uh, Derek did kind of mention this a little bit, but not specifically towards C.J. Anderson. Uh, but with C.J. Anderson – what I was really impressed with, I mean, obviously it's hard not to be impressed with the 167 yards, but it's the what wasn't in the stat column that impressed me, and that was his blocking. He actually had some serious blocks in this game, and if I'm not mistaken, there was one block that didn't work, but for, I mean, all things considered, this guy just came to the team, you know, not even a whole week, you know, prior, so... I can't even fault him for that. He he played his heart out with this game with just with less than than a week of practice. So all things considered, you know, you you'd have to give this guy major props alone for for the nice blocking he did. And for those of you that may have not caught it, go back and watch the game, the some of the highlights. You'll see like some especially on some of the passing plays. He did some serious run block or uh, pass blocking there. He, I, it's something we sh- all should have collectively like realized before this game, and I didn't. And obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But, bef- you know, before this game, uh, I, w- I was watching the game. There the the one o'clock games with some of my friends who uh, knew people or had stakes in this fantasy games at four o'clock, and one of them, you know, had Todd Gurley who was out and they picked up CJ Anderson, and John Kelly, and we were talking about who should they should play. And I think they ended up going Kelly because he kind of felt like the home run hit, but immediately on the, on the first two drives, you could kind of tell that it was going to be almost fully CJ Anderson in this game. And quickly you kind of, you see Anderson out there as a three down back blocking and very early in the game, his blocking was noticeably good. You know, he picked up, he saved Jared Goff from a sack pretty early and, you kind of think about, yeah, C.J. Anderson has only been here for a week. John Kelly's been here all season, so you don't think they're going to throw out a guy there who doesn't know the playbook instead of a guy who you know has been there all season and even though he has limited experience, knows the playbook well. But then you got to think about 
you're going with a seasoned NFL veteran who understands playing at the NFL level, who succeeded at playing at the NFL level, versus a guy who has ran for four yards in his entire career. And you kind of, when you're talking about running backs and you should be playing, blocking isn't normally that big in your head as to being a huge factor in that. But John Kelly doesn't know how to pick up these schemes yet, and he probably shouldn't. It's something that comes with experience playing in the NFL. And I think that's just something we all collectively, whether it be Rams fans or fantasy analysts and whatever, kind of overlooked when talking about which running back was going to get the work here because, you know, as soon as you watch that happening, you kind of go, okay, well, he's he's clearly going to get all the work here because John Kelly, he's, this is a must-win game, and he's not ready really to play at that level in pass protection and maybe even on the ground as compared to a guy who's made Pro Bowls and who's had 1,000-yard seasons in the NFL like C.J. Anderson has. But I think we can you now wrap up this game. It's It's been talked about a lot this week. This is Thursday, as I've said, I think five times in this podcast already. But we're going to get to our Aaron Donald MVP discussion. But before we do, guys, I know most of us are addicted to practically anything Los Angeles Rams. If you want to learn a bit more about the team's history, a little bit of a personal touch, you got to check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to learn about a lot of players in this book, but some of the more notable ones are Crazy Legs Hirsch, Les Richter, Norman Van Brocklin, and Tom Fears in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. If you want to pick up a copy, head on over to HollywoodScene.com. Or you can even check them out on Twitter at Hollywood Team. This book is available in both electronic form and hardback at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And of course, through you know, wherever you're getting your books on the internet, I'm sure you can find it. Guys, this book is worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, you won't regret checking out Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is worth your time. All right, let's move on here. Aaron Donald was, you know, pretty clearly the MVP of this game. I think we could say on Sunday, he absolutely dominated the Arizona Cardinals' offense or offensive line. Um, coming out of this game, he had he had three sacks. It took me a while to find that on the box score, putting him in shooting distance of the all-time sack record. If he can nab. He's at 19.5 sacks right now. That's the most by a defensive tackle in NFL history. If he gets 3.5 sacks on Sunday, he will pass Michael Strahan for the record. And you can tell he wanted it because at the end of this game, when basically all the starters were out, Donald was still in there trying to get to the quarterback. So kudos to him for pushing this record. But we we got a question on Twitter, Johnny, uh, from Jeff Fisher's mustache, who is at greatest show on surf with an eight in greatest. If Donald breaks the sack record on Sunday, will he win the MVP? So I think this is a good time to lay out the case for Aaron Donald winning the MVP. So Johnny, make the case. Oh man, it's it's a tough year because there are so many talented players. And I think we've seen a lot of emergence of news players as well. Uh, but as far as Aaron Donald is concerned, there's a for sure argument there. You said it or, already. 
the the guy already has broken the sack record for most sacks in a sing, single season by a defensive tackle. And on top of that, it's kind of, again, what the stats don't show that makes Aaron Donald so scary good. This is a guy that's consistently doubled and triple teamed game in and game out. And on top of that, he still manages to get the sack somehow. But yeah, as far as Aaron Donald is concerned, he has he has that kind of drive that that gets you know gets the plays done. He's that playmaker on defense that um, every team covets. By far, he, in my opinion, he's the best uh, defensive player in football. And on top of that, you can you can even make the argument that he is the best player in football because he is that difference maker. And well, I won't say he won the game single-handedly against the Arizona Cardinals. I will say that if you remove Aaron Donald from this game, I'm not so certain that it's it's that big of a, a blowout for the Rams. In fact, it might be super close if if Aaron Donald's not there getting in Josh Rosen's face. I, I actually felt bad for Rosen on a couple of times. Um, one of the hits, man, he, it looked like he felt that one already, you know, that some of these hits, you know, it takes a, it takes a day or two to feel it. He felt that one instantly. I I believe it was the second sack that he got on him. But, um, in any case, I, I have to, I have to give the praise to Aaron Donald for being that difference maker on the team. And I think based on position based on what he's accomplished already i think he should get the nod for um mvp it's gonna be close uh and i i'm gonna play devil's advocate here before i get to who i think should win mvp let me just lay out the case against aaron donald the and the biggest knock here i think on aaron donald is that the rams defense hasn't been that good I mean, can you really give the MVP to, you know, a guy who is leading a unit that just straight up hasn't been great this year, that in terms of, you know, points per game, they are middle of the pack defensively, yards per game, again, middle of the pack. He's leading the way in a middle of the pack defense. Now, you look at his numbers, does that say that, A, can you imagine this defense without him they'd be the worst in the league or b does it say maybe he's not as valuable as a quarterback could be and like you said positions are huge in the mvp race it's almost always a quarterback very very rarely do non-quarterbacks win mvp and very rarely do non-quarterbacks or running backs win mvp um two defensive players have won mvp in the history of football Alan Page, the Purple People leaders back in the 70s, and Lawrence Taylor in 1985, who was the last non-offensive player to win MVP. It's just hard for defensive players and even any non-quarterbacks to win MVP because it's the most valuable player award, and a lot of people view the most valuable player on a football team to be the quarterback. And for the most part, it's probably true. I mean, if you replace... Aaron Donald with a replacement level player and do the same thing for a lot of these quarterbacks in that 
conversation, you know, who gets worse? Obviously, I think the Rams defense is a lot worse without Aaron Donald. But you look at some of the players in the MVP conversation. You know, if you replace Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck, who aren't even that high up on the MVP on a lot of MVP ballots, those teams fall apart. I mean, the Seahawks without Russell Wilson might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Colts, we've seen them without Andrew Luck. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Rams without Aaron Donald, the defense is probably bad. I mean, they're not great with him. I can't imagine them without him. But the offense would win that team more games than other teams would be without their quarterback. I mean, the Seahawks and the Colts, I know I keep using those examples because those teams are carried by their quarterbacks. I know the Colts' defense has been a lot better this year, but... Seattle, man, Russell Wilson is the heart and soul of that team. I mean, even the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, the Saints with Drew Brees, you don't know how those teams do without quarterbacks. And I think those teams, the systems are great. Obviously, the offensive systems, you know, Sean Payton and Andy Reid are two of the best offensive coaches in the history of the league, let alone currently. But it's tough for just non-quarterbacks to to win MVP. And I mean, I mentioned this just now. Three non-offensive players ever have won the NFL MVP. Page, LT, and a kicker, Mark Mosley, who I did not know this won MVP, but it was during the uh, strike season. So honestly, during the offseason, I might do a whole podcast on that because that is absolutely insane. But what I'm getting at here is, Johnny, do you think Donald's season is historic enough to put him in the same conversation with Alan Page and with Lawrence Taylor as that level of player to win an MVP at a position that never wins MVP? Uh, Honestly, I would say yes. Uh, And here's why. Because one important stat that came up uh, during last week's game was how many many, uh, multi-sack games uh, that, that Aaron Donald had and I believe it was seven, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was uh, seven straight, something like that. This season, um, you're saying? And, huh? You're saying seven straight this year? Yeah. And he was in company with teams like, or with players like uh, Reggie White. You know that that's you know good. That's good company right there. And not to say that. You know that's stats are the only thing. It's it's also reminding you that this guy's a defensive tackle. You know you don't see too many defensive tackles that make these kind of stats to begin with. And on top of that, you brought up um, you brought up Alan Page in back in the Purple uh, People Eater days. He had one of the best defensive lines in history. Aaron Donald. I mean, on paper did, but <laughs> when it came to actual execution, it's really the only the Aaron Donald show. So in in my opinion, that that deserves a right to be, you know, notified as one of the best players in the game. Now, personally, I don't think he's going to win it, but as and I, and I know I'm a little bit biased, not just because he's a Ram player, but. Uh, but because he's a defender, uh, you know, I, I'm a defended, uh, defensive-minded person. I, I enjoy a good defensive game. So um, 
for me, I like I like seeing you know these defensive heroes on the field, and it, it kind of keeps the game in check because it makes games a lot more interesting than, in my opinion, than just seeing you know the ball being tossed back and forth by uh, you know quarterbacks. I mean that's exciting too, but there's nothing like seeing a quarterback get sacked. It's just it's just entertaining. It really is. <laughs> I can't argue there. Uh, to follow up on that stat you mentioned before, seven. Uh, seven multi-sack games this season. Not in a row, but he did have three in a row. Uh, he had a stretch where five out of six games were multi-sack games. He had a nine-game stretch where he had 16 and a half sacks. So he had five games where he didn't notch a, notch a sack, which is kind of wild that he's three and a half away. You know, Aaron, if you got one or two sacks in any of those games, you'd have this record run away. But it is insane for a defensive tackle who is who is getting double teamed basically every play and as you mentioned Sue and Brockers haven't been respectable enough to even you know sniff double teams for the most part so i think that those guys are what am i saying Aaron Donald as a defensive tackle is it might be the most impressive defensive tackle season of all time statistically it is we have the numbers to prove it but for a guy who's never really had the impact on the stat sheet that he had on the game, and you know, smart people knew he had that impact in the game, him blowing these numbers out like this is, is wild. And I agree with you on the th- basis of we should start giving this award to quarterbacks, non-quarterbacks more often. I, it was either last year or two years ago that I was trying to ch- campaign for Antonio Brown to win MVP, which ultimately did not happen. But this year... It's tough because there's a couple guys that deserve it, and I think Pat Mahomes is a clear front runner. But at the same time, the the Chiefs they've been slipping, just like the Rams have been slipping. The Saints they haven't slipped too much, but I think Drew Brees' numbers uh, he had a stretch there where his numbers weren't great, and I think numbers do matter, especially between when you're going against Pat Mahomes, who he might be the only quarterback ever to throw for five or. Second quarterback ever to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. The first one was Peyton Manning, who I believe won it 2013. Yeah, there were MVP or uh, lost it to Adrian Peterson when he had a 2,000-yard season. Uh, either way, they were in a, I don't remember. <laughs> but my, my point is it's going to be tough for Donald to beat a quarterback, and I would like to see him do it, but I think... Even if he gets the record, I don't know if they're going to give it to him over Pat Mahomes. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks in that discussion. I think his best path to the trophy is that, you know, Mahomes, Breeze, Rivers, Luck, Wilson, those guys all take votes away from each other. And Donald ultimately slips up from the people on the who are voting on this ballot who want to see a non-quarterback win it and a guy who's deserving Aaron Aaron Donald. But... And I want to know if you agree with this. I think he has to beat that record to win MVP. I don't think he does it without it. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that because as it is, even with the record breaking, I, I it would be really shocking. I would say, uh, pleasantly shocked, of course, but it'd be really shocking that he gets it from a quarterback because the NFL has made it very clear that they are a quarterback-driven league. So. Uh, I I I would definitely 
be surprised if he even gets it with the record. But it, it would definitely help his odds if he if he got it. Uh, looking at 2001, the year Michael Strahan broke the sack record, he was not even a runner-up on the vote. So I think that's just interesting to note. But at the same time, I think you know he's an edge rusher. His job is to sack the quarterback. Donald has a little bit more you know, responsibility than that, I would say. So I just thought that was interesting to throw out. I just looked those numbers up and uh, hopefully that stat was reliable. But yeah, I'm glad we laid that out there and eventually I will return to this and figure out the whole story behind Mark Mosley winning Evie Peter in the strike season. But let's move on, Johnny. The NFC playoffs, this is the final week. There are seven teams in the hunt. The Saints are locked in as the one seed. The Rams and the Bears, respectively, are locked in at either the two or the three. If the Rams win against the 49ers, which, knock on wood, we should, we'll secure the two seed. Bears have a tougher matchup with Minnesota. If the Vikings win, they're in the playoffs. If the Vikings lose and the Eagles lose, the Vikings are still in the playoffs. If the Eagles win and the Vikings lose, the Vikings are out. Bears could get the bye if the Rams lose. And then the Cowboys are locked in at four. Uh, meaningless game for them. Seattle is, if they lose to the four, to the Cardinals and the Vikings win, they'll drop to the sixth seed. Other than that, they're locked in at the five. Even if they lose and the Eagles win and the Vikings lose, Eagles can't pass them. But how, I'm curious how you see the seeding shaking out and in terms of who we can play in the second round, who, who don't you want to see? Well, as far as the seeding goes, I would – hope that the Rams beat the 49ers especially because um it was already announced that the there are no plans to to sit any of the starters that are healthy uh so you, in other words you can expect guys like Jared Goff to go out there um as far as Todd Gurley goes uh you know there's there's a possibility there but we'll get to that a little bit later uh point being that since the Rams are planning to play everyone in this game, they should be able to win this game. So obviously we have the Saints number one. Number two, have to give it to the Rams. Uh, I'll be sincerely disappointed if they lose, but it is a possibility, I suppose. That being said, three goes to the Bears. Uh, You already said Cowboys were locked in at four. Uh, You know... This is where it gets a little complicated. I'm going to say that the Seahawks are going to stay at number five. There's too many, too many uh, circumstances that need to happen for them to just drop to number six. But uh, as far as number six goes, I mean, uh, and then on top of that, they're playing the Cardinals. So right, yeah, that's probably not losing to the Cardinals. No, I I would hope not. But suppose any given Sunday, right? Uh, <laughs> and as far as the Vikings and the Eagles, that's that's tough. But I, I'm going to give it to the Eagles just because I don't know if the Vikings can beat the Bears. And it's going to, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. Don't get me wrong. And it, it's not going to be an easy victory for the Bears. But I think the Bears are going to try their best to get that first round by. 
uh, even though they're not going to get it. So I'm going to say the Eagles get in at number six. The NFL was smart to schedule the Rams and the Bears at the same time. I was hoping the Bears would play at one so we could get a little rest if this game didn't mean anything to us. But I I think my only switch would be I actually think the Vikings win this game. I think at home, you know, I I think I've just kind of had blind faith in the Vikings all year. I don't know why, but Dalvin Cook is looking like finally the player he was last year. Uh, Adam Thielen apparently decided to, you know, stop playing at times down the stretch, but I think they do win this game. I think their defense is a little underrated. I think Mitch Trubisky is a little overrated. I think they, it's going to be close and I'm not super confident they win, but I think they do. And maybe I'm just saying that because I'm sick of Nick Foles and I don't want to watch this happen again. My <laughs> God, you know it's like it's like the Giants when you know they played in two Super Bowls recently during my childhood or my you know young adulthood, I guess depending on how you look at that. <laughs> when when they beat the Patriots in 07, it was incredible. I mean, undefeated team versus the underdog of the century. Uh, David Tyree making that great catch. I mean, it was awesome. It was just a storybook and storybook ending for a team that you know had they not made the Super Bowl, Tom Coughlin was probably gone. Eli Manning was probably gone. Four years later, they're in the Super Bowl against the Patriots again. And uh, kids, put your emails, put your earmuffs on. They could just fuck right off that team. I mean, they did not deserve that second Super Bowl at all. It is the most undeserving Super. How did they win it twice? Why did that have to happen twice? Nick Foles, it was awesome. Last year was magical. That Super Bowl was incredible. I do not want to see it again. I hope he's just not in the playoffs so I don't have to deal with this bum who couldn't hit any open receivers on the Rams for every game outside of the opening game. Magically win another Super Bowl because, my God, I'm sick of that man. So uh, I agree with all your other seedings, and I think the Vikings sneak in at six. Please, God, help us. So, folks, if you're keeping score – there are three triggers that we discovered this season with with Steve. Number one, Sean Mannion. Number two, Jared Cook. And number three, Nick Foles. That is like three. I mean, you you might he might have to cut you if you hear if you, anyone says those three names to him in front of his face. He might cut you. So don't do that. I mean, I they're they're all for three different reasons. Nick Foles, I just don't want it to happen again. Uh, Sean Mannion, who might I say ran for negative two yards on Sunday. Okay, he's never <laughs> couldn't even complete a pass. <laughs> Jared Cook, man, you know now that we're talking about it, uh, I I won a fantasy championship this week. Um, I was in a lot of leagues, so I'm not going to brag about it because to be honest. The fact that I won one wasn't that impressive. But I'm going into the Monday night games. I'm up 28, and he's got Philip Lindsay and Jared goddamn Cook. <laughs> and, my God, like, I was talking to my friend who I played. I was like, if if I lose, I hope Philip Lindsay scores 35 and Cook scores zero because I can't deal with him beating me. I cannot deal with him, him eliminating me. Um, Jesus, that dude, man. But by the end of the game, I convinced him. I got him on the Jared Cook dislike bandwagon because 
he scored three points or whatever. Uh, and then I he was texting me. He's like, I'm starting to hate this guy too. So I just sent him the video of Jerry Cook dropping a pass from the blessed St. Austin Davis and then confronting him on the sidelines and shoving him out of the way. Uh, I mean, God, what a terrible teammate. And, you know, he got paid, so I don't care. I hope – I I don't know. I hope he's a great light off the field, on the field. I hope everyone gives him hell for the rest of his career. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's enough Jared Cook, Nick Bull, Shaw Manning discussion. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll talk more about the playoffs next week because hopefully we'll be on bye and we could kind of get into who – we could potentially be playing because there will only be three options. We're going to talk about some other news here and preview this game quick. But before we do that, guys, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like that old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code on that is 92683. Sal Martinez, our friend, Opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and that you're going to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. And he knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan who understands true statements like Sean Mannion running for negative yards on the season. Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, guys, Sal's watching football. He's going to be sweating with all of us watching this 49ers game, hoping that we don't see the, you know, the vintage Rams blowing that one. But I don't think we will, and I don't think Sal thinks we will. Once again, guys, if you want to set up an appointment by Sal, give him a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it. Not only to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia he's got there, but Sal provides that old-school, classic barbershop experience. He's going to talk Rams football with you and whatever else you want to talk about. Trust him, guys. You won't regret it. And if you're like Johnny, might even make a little magic out of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I guess let's start with this quick. Um, if you saw the video on Twitter, uh, it was going around. It was the, you know... We use the number 7,000, why we want to roast Ndamukong Sue and call him a scapegoat again. Uh, this video of Sue sticking his hands into Larry Fitzgerald's face mask, and Fitzgerald just kind of like flinches and gets moves and keeps going on with this game. Uh, the fans were furious, you know, kind of rightfully so, but Fitzgerald came out and said, you know, Sue's his boy, he was just messing around, that's who he is, they're friends, no, no hard feelings, it was a joke. I, I don't know. Johnny, what do you make of this? You know, it, it's funny because when I saw the story break, I was thinking to myself, where have I heard this before? And for those of you who watch baseball and particularly, you know, the Los Angeles Dodger baseball, he, you know, Dominic and Sue is the Yasiel Puig of the Rams. Uh, spoiler, uh, Puig is no longer a Dodger. But uh, <laughs> Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, we're, we're careers go to die. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, they do, <laughs> they do. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the criticism of this whole ordeal is just kind of amazing on how fast the negativity spread. And, 
Yeah, much like Puig, like anything that guy did was like the front page of any newspaper website uh, of how lazy or how irresponsible or negative in general this guy could be. And just seeing this whole breakdown, it was like, just watch football, guys. Just just watch football. Be, look, people are always looking for an excuse to roast Sue, I've learned. Um, you know, he's been blamed for the entire defense falling apart. Uh, he's been a waste of money, you know, disrespectful, terrible guy, punk. He's been a bum all season. I've seen people call him. I, I mean, look, obviously, if you see that, you're like, man, like, what are you doing, Sue? You know, I saw it. I was like, come on, let's let's not do that. And I saw the quote and I was like, OK, we're good. Uh, I did not go out of my way to roast him. I, you know, this <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald is not a guy that players typically mess with like that. So it makes sense that they're friends and he was just doing it. You know, like if you're a dirty player, you're not just going to shove your fingers in Larry Fitzgerald's eyes. Okay. And I know Sue, he might be, he might not be, but that whole thing was kind of ridiculous to me. And I don't know. I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, I think people conveniently blame Sue for the entire faults of the defensive line and don't mention Brockers. And I think they share shoulder equal amounts of blame for not getting sacks while Aaron Donald is just raking them up while being double teamed but I don't know it's a conversation for another day um also in the news this week Roger Saffold said he he's been through it all with the Rams and he'd like to finish it here like to see out what he started and he would consider taking a hometown discount for the team do you think he will I think he will but it depends on his de- definition of hometown discount. You know, for for anyone that's thinking he's going to take, like, you know, half his pay cut, you're out of your mind. You know, maybe maybe a couple million off, but I, I don't expect, you know, an excessive amount. Just because this guy, he, if he really wants to make top dollar, he can. Because in this league... Uh, guards are making a lot of money, a lot more than in the past. And for every team right now, they're looking for talented offensive linemen because you can never have too many. So I do think that he's sincere, but I don't think it's as much as people are hoping it will be. And in the end, you uh, the Rams still have a huge decision to make because – you know, while Saffold, I think, is a decent uh, guard, you have to think, well, is he going to be worth it for the rest to spend the rest of his career uh, in, you know, Rams uniform? Because uh, he still has, I would imagine, at least, you know, four to five seasons left in him. Now, whether they're quality seasons or not, that's something to debate about also. Yeah, he's he's been... Uh... He struggled with injuries for a lot of his career. Uh, People do forget that he literally signed with the Raiders and failed a physical. But, you know, that's all in the past. I I think we've all been very happy with Saffold this season. Um, Obviously, I think this might be the best season of his career. That being said, like you said, there's a high demand for good offensive linemen. I mean, we poached Andrew Whitworth for a crazy amount of money from the Bengals. So, with Saffold, if he's back... I'd say it's be in the 
five to six million dollar range, maybe seven if the Rams are feeling generous. Um, anything less than that, I think he would consider disrespectful. You know, there's a discount and then there's disrespect. And I think the Rams, you know, A, a he's good. And B, if he really wants to take a discount, I think five to six, probably around six would be, you know, that that's ideal for for Roger Saffold, I think. And, you know, hopefully we actually make that work and make that happen. But if somebody's offering him eight figures at age 30 with an injury history, it's hard to turn that down. And I don't think he would, but ultimately I, I do think that he's a Ram for the future. I think they will give him a nice contract, um, you know, not a ton, but I, I do genuinely think he means that, that he wants to be here. And as long as, as the Rams don't disrespect him, I, I think he'll be back. You mean we can't offer him $2 million? <laughs> like the vet minimum. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture Snead being like, well, you, you said you would be willing to take a discount. You know, my my favorite, uh, you know, discount I've seen in my years of watching sports is how the Mavericks signed Dirk to a new contract every year since he's kind of been dwindling down. Like... <laughs> He basically, when there's free agents they could sign, he'll just take a pay cut. So, like, he, I think when they could have gotten Chandler Parson, who, for those who don't know, is one of the most disappointing contracts in NBA history, and he got a second disappointing contract, absolutely awful. Doesn't make any sense. But Dirk took like a $7 million a year contract, which in the NBA isn't bad, especially for Dirk. And then, like, two years later, he signs, like, a two-year $50 million deal because they had a bunch of cap space. And then they need the cap space again, so they just restructured him. So basically what I'm saying is Mark Cuban has definitely been paying that man under the table. But that's completely <laughs> completely unrelated, but whatever. Let's, let's get to our final topic here. Johnny, it's the final game of the year, and the Rams actually have to try in this one. They wouldn't have had to if they took care of business against the Eagles or the Bears, but... Here we are. Uh, we have a meaningful Week 17 game with the San Francisco 49ers, who haven't been that bad recently. Uh, you know, Nick Mullins, since taking over for C.J. Beathard at the quarterback position, is 3-4. and four. He's won two straight games here down the stretch before losing to the Bears last week, which is, you know, it's the Bears. It's not a bad loss. A big overtime win against Seattle two weeks ago, and another win against the Denver Broncos before that. This team hasn't been terrible down the stretch, but again, they also got blown out by Seattle. Uh, they also lost 27-9 to Tampa Bay. But I guess my question is, is this a trap game? You know, I, I have to be honest with you, Steve. After you said it's the final countdown, the only thing I heard after that was, it's the final countdown! <laughs> <laughs> uh joking aside there yeah as far as the 49ers are concerned this is not a team to take lightly uh, i mean look what happened to the seahawks but you know the the funny thing is if you had asked me this after the seahawks game two weeks ago i would have told you that i'm not that concerned but seeing how they held their own against chicago you know that's that's you know impressive you know the bears are a great team and for them to almost win and 
really they should have won that game if they just you know done a few things differently you know that's that's something to be proud of you know especially considering all the injuries that they've had to overcome so i would not take this game lightly at all you know um still a few i'm not as nervous about this game as other games i i this is still a very winnable game but if the rams slip at all this could be a loss this could be a trap game without a doubt you know uh i i will say something you know more jokingly but uh is Mullins the next Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> I don't know what'll happen with him, man. I mean, I don't think he's that good, but like, he's not. He's clearly all right. Um, you know, has a positive touchdown interception ratio, ten to seven, completing sixty three percent of his passes. Uh, he's won three games. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if somebody traded for him next year. I don't know what they'd give up, um, but. You know, he's a guy that would make sense for teams that either have a shaky quarterback or have a young quarterback and just want someone to fill the gap, um, or maybe don't want to draft a quarterback but bring in somebody to compete for a job. I mean, I don't know. He he's clearly he's earned a role in this league for a good amount of time, I'd say. But it, as far as this being a trap game, I think it would have been two weeks ago, uh, maybe even last week, or. I I don't know. My what I'm trying to say is the Rams players definitely and I don't know any of them. I haven't read anything but I can 100% say they do not want to play next week. There's absolutely no way these guys want to play next week. The coaches don't want to play next week. The players aren't going to want to play next week. And for that reason, I don't think they are looking past the 49ers. I think they're going to be watching that tape of the Seattle game heavily. I think they're going to be studying the film i think gonna be prepping for this guy it's like they would be prepping for kansas city because god i can do not think they're going to want to play another playoff game and i think as fans right now i don't have a ton of faith went in them going from a wild card game to the super bowl they're going to need that buy they can get past three opponents fine they need it man and i don't the seahawks or sorry the 49ers you know they they're tough. They play hard. They're well coached. They have a lot of scrappy players who are fighting for roles in the NFL and earning roles in the NFL. Good ones at that, judging by how they played. Uh, the Rams can't guard tight ends. The 49ers have one of the best tight ends in the league. So that, that concerns me. But I mean, as is part of a course with games like this, I think Kittle does, gets his, gets his, and I don't think anyone else will. Um, I don't think we fall for this trap because I think, I don't think they're going to look past this team at all because I really, they can't. They can't afford to. And I think they know that. Um, before we get to predictions in this game, obviously a big storyline here is Todd Gurley didn't play last week. The, he seemed like he was. They were getting ready for him to play last week, and then after warmups, he just didn't play. I mean, do you think he'll play this week? And even if he can play, you think he should? You know, for most players, I think they should play. But in Todd Gurley's case. I would say no. I, I think even if he is healthy enough to go, just rest him. You know, I, I think C.J. Anderson is more than capable of, of starting another game with, you know, splitting some of the carries with uh, Kelly. 
So I I have no problems at all sitting Todd Gurley this game. I do, you know, if if you know Gurley is insistent, and you know maybe they want to give Gurley a uh, you know few warmups. Maybe you start him, uh, have him, you know, do like maybe one quarter, and then just just sit him. Like it, there is absolutely no reason why you should start or even play Gurley in this game. No reason at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't want to see Gurley play unless he gets a full practice in this week. You know, because that means he's 100% cleared. If he's not 100% this week, even if he's 98, 99, I, I don't want to see him just because I know the Cardinals' run defense is terrible, but they're CJ Anders in right for 160 yards. So, I mean, I think he could do it. The San Francisco run defense is decent, 12th best in the NFL, but I mean um they're not they're not New Orleans or they're not Chicago, you know, they're not Baltimore, New Orleans, Houston, those are the top teams. Still giving up 110 yards on the ground per game. And I I don't know, it's if he's healthy, if he if he gets a full practice on Friday, yeah, you let him play. You let him get loose because if he's practicing in full, that means you are not worried about the man at all. So, if he's if he's out there fully going yeah play him if not there's absolutely no reason to i want him a hundred percent for the playoffs and if he's going to play this week he needs to be a hundred percent but i'll get my prediction here johnny it's not that exciting i think i'm thinking 38 to 17 i think the rams take care of business like i said they need to win and they know it and i don't think they want to play next week at all uh, that buy is huge and i hope they don't come out of that buy like they came out of the last buy but I, I don't think they will. Ultimately, I think they win this game pretty handedly. The 49ers, while they're tough, it, at, at home in L.A., they don't they don't scare me. Yeah, I have a similar prediction. I, I have a, a slightly lower scoring affair going there, you know, 27 to 10. I'm going to throw in a few more predictions here, though. Uh, prediction number two, I expect to see Todd Gurley, you know, looking more comfortable on the bench. <laughs> he couldn't get more comfortable than he did last week. Man, I I give him props because, man, I wish I could do that at my job sometimes. Just <laughs> looks super comfortable there. Uh, prediction number three is Aaron Donald will have five sacks Ooh. in this game. Five wow. Sack. <sighs> I, don't, I don't think he breaks the record, man. That's my prediction. Uh, it's more of a hopeful prediction than anything, but I'm going to stick with it. Five sacks. Hell yeah, man. I love it. Three and a half is just, that's a lot. That's a lot of sacks, man. I got to pull up his game log again for this season. So he's gotten four once this year. It's four sacks in a game once. Um, Career, let me just confirm. That's his career high. He's never gotten over three besides that game, but he's hit three a couple times in his career. So it's doable. And I mean, the 49ers certainly, they're not really the team that's going to completely stop that uh, team decimated by injuries. So I, I mean, I hope he gets it, man. It'd be awesome uh, for an interior lineman to break the all time sack record would be unbelievable, especially given how hard he's getting double teamed. And, you know, like you said, 
It's not the fearsome foursome. It's not the purple people eaters. It's Aaron Donald and two overpaid defensive linemen and a bunch of not that good pass rushers. So <laughs> no disrespect to all those guys. I love them. I love Brockers. I hope he I hope he plays better next year. But that is what it is. Um, I guess final prediction, Johnny. Who do you think wins the Titans Colts game? That's a tough one. That that one is definitely an interesting matchup. I'm gonna go with the Colts though, just because I think that the Colts have a little bit more going for them, and they seem to be on a little bit of more of a roll. It, it's gonna be a tough matchup, but yeah, I, I gotta give it. I, I gotta give it up to the Colts. Yeah, I'm taking the Colts. Too. Although I will say the Derrick Henry renaissance is unbelievable. And if they ride that thing to the playoffs, it'll be insane. But whether or not Mariota plays, I think the Colts win. Uh, I like what I've seen from Luck and my man T.Y. Hilton out there. All right. That's it for us, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at Barrow. You can find Johnny on Twitter at johnny 596 uh, don't forget to find us wherever you can find your podcast. And if you're looking to sponsor us, please hit us up. We'll get you a media kit over. Um, we'll be back next week, but hopefully we will not be previewing a game next week. Uh, that's all I can ask for is a bye. We'll talk to you then. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.